This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. Well, we're talking about seasons under the sun. And I've kind of subtitled this one this morning as Hung by the Tongue. And uh, it's taken from Solomon's writings. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes. Hopefully we can get to chapter 5 where this subtitle actually fits in. Speaking about be careful what you say around angels that are guarding you. Because we can use our mouth and destroy and God says he will destroy the work of your hands if you say that what he's doing is an error. And Solomon explains that, but the book from, from, from the beginning to the end explains how there are angels, thousands of them, and they're all ministers of God sent to minister to us who are heirs of salvation. And especially in the church, Solomon talks about keep your foot when you're in the house of God because there's one shepherd, one God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit gives the shepherd of the church the direction to lead. And when people sit back, well, I don't think we ought to do it that way. I don't think we ought to. And it comes out of their mouth. That's, that's real borderline of trouble. Because it, the pastor is accountable for the way the ministry is run. And Solomon says, hey, don't let your mouth hang you and hang your prospect and destroy your works because you're interfering. But we'll get to that later because I've got a whole list of stuff that talks about that. But we're back in, we're going to start with Ecclesiastes chapter 1 first and back it up a little bit as we move further. I'm going through the entire book of Ecclesiastes verse by verse. And every time I get further along, it takes me back to the very first, first verse, to the first chapters of it. So Ecclesiastes is a book of man under the sun while we're alive, concerning life. And it's the best that we can do while we're alive because when we're dead, that's it. It's over. Nothing else can be added to it. You can't come back and find out what's going on. Nothing is over. So the best that we can do outside of redemption is enjoy our life, what we've got while we've got it, because it's going to be gone just like that. So verse 1, it says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And let me find it. Vanity is emptiness. And the final result of all life apart from God is to be born, to toil, to suffer, to experience some transitory joy, which is nothing in view of eternity, and leave it all and die. Vanity is to work, 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 work. Focus on everything in life. Focus on all the problems. Have our, just, just, just all this stuff and have God sitting up here and all of a sudden, life is over, and we meet God, and what have we done? All of it meant nothing. 
all of the fighting, all of the feuding, all of the tasting, all of the seeing, all of the destroying, all of the building up, all of the work, all of the prosperity, everything. To leave it all and just meet God and everything is going to be brought into judgment, whether it's good or bad, everything. And stand before God weeping, oh, what have I done with my life? I mean, I can't imagine judgment. I can't imagine standing before a holy God, empty. And, and everything I look back on my life I've done is, 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 is a whole lot of wasted time, a whole lot of wasted energy, a whole lot of wasted things. I wished I could have done more. Verse 3, What profit a man of all the labor of which he taketh under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation cometh, but the earth abides forever. So vanity of vanities is, is go, there's, go back three generations. We know nothing about it. We may figure out who's the president, but you'll never figure out anything about your ancestry. Three gener two, two generations ago, they're gone. What did your great-great-grandfather do? What was his name? Where did he live? Did he play football? Where did he go to school? You know, what was his life all about? We know nothing about that. And in two generations from now, if the Lord tarries, which I don't think so, that's what we'll be. No, nobody will know a thing about anything we've done. Nothing. Not one thing. It'll be gone. But God will know. And if we die lost, I can't imagine a lost person thinking they're saved and wake up and realize they, that it's, it, they have no hope. I, I was reading and studying this this week. This is not part of the lesson. And I'm very, you know, you, you, you people will let you down and disappoint you. I, when me and Teresa were younger, 20 years ago, I mean, even, I mean, if there was a, if there was a revival, if there was a, a, a convention, if there was a, we went to everything, Knoxville, Florida, Orlando. We traveled everywhere going to hear preachers. I was fascinated. I couldn't understand how preachers, how four and 5,000 people would gather to hear this man. I mean, he had to have a gift somewhere. I couldn't. And even if it was three people there, me and Teresa went all the way to Charlotte, North Carolina to hear a man preach who was building a church. And me and Teresa, his wife and his kids and one other visitor was there. But the man was, was very knowledgeable. So we traveled six or seven hours to go for a Sunday morning service. This was before I was a member here. Just to hear this man speak. I'll get to this in a minute. But there's one particular person. His name was Carlton Pearson. He's a black preacher that was under the Oral Roberts ministry. And or, I don't know if you... Or Roberts died a few years back, but this man had a church with 5,000 people in it. People were getting saved. Of course, they believed a little different. They were a little uh, charismatic. Some of it I didn't agree with, but when the souls got saved, I was in, into that. Just about three or four years ago, this man got in front of his congregation. This is what I'm getting. People will let you down and disappoint you. And some people will say, many will come and say, Lord, haven't we done all these things? But the Lord's going to say, depart from me. This man, 
called him Pearson, got in front of all these people and said, after careful study, I now found out that the word of God is nothing but a book written by man and hell does not exist. Everybody goes to heaven. And as he was speaking, he, he couldn't get it out. He started to, to all these people. The deacons got up and pulled him all. He lost his whole ministry. He told he lost it. How could he ever been saved and get up there and just be, preach some of the, I'm fire, I mean, fire and brimstone messages and all of a sudden just tell his church. I mean, you can Google it yourself. His name is Carlton Pearson. And he just totally denounced this book as a book written by man fabricated. That broke my heart because I, I, that was a man that I, that, that, I mean, I've got uh, mine on him. He will stand before God in judgment and give an account for that. And this is a sign of prophecy to me because God says that in the sign of the end times, there'll be a falling away. This man fell away. And to this day, the, the, the church will say, man, you did so much for us. You did so much for the church. You did so much for things. Just change all that and we'll forgive you and come back. He said, no. He says, I'm firm on that. How? For 20 years you preach the gospel and see souls saved and claim to be healing all these people and claim to be speaking in all this language and claim to be so close to the Holy Spirit all of a sudden get up there and just destroy a ministry. The, the whole church just, I mean, it was a huge church. He'll stand before a judge and what's going to be added to him for what he's done I don't even want to think about. But Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I guess I'll get into that part of it because everything is going to be brought into judgment and I was going to get to that sooner or later because I just found out and it hurt me. It hurt me. It hurts me when ministers of, of the faith, we all fall. But when somebody's accountable for so many people, damage the ministry they, like, like this man has done. That really, really, really bothers me. Not so much as looking at him to judge him, but say, what would it take for me to fall? I can't say that. I, I just don't think that's the Holy Spirit. I don't think somebody truly, truly saved can do that. The Holy Spirit will not allow that. And it, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're getting back to the, to the meat. Chapter 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. That's a season. That is a season for us. A time to be born and a time to die. And there's a purpose for it. And if you look down to uh, verse 11, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in our hearts, their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. We may think that something is so bad and we can't understand it all, but we might just die and leave it all behind and there's no means absolutely nothing. But eventually, God in His time is going to make that situation beautiful. We will not see the end. 
We have not seen the beginning. What's been done has already been done. What's done today has already been done. What'll be done tomorrow will be done today. It's all relevant. One generation comes and another, we pass away and leave it and another generation comes up. I can't believe this. I can't believe that. They die, it's gone, nothing. But God makes everything beautiful in his time. And here's, here's, this is going to be talked about in several places here. I know that there is no good in them but for a man to rejoice and do good in his life. Also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. So in, we, we got to take time to enjoy certain things in our life. It's not all about browbeating people with the Bible. It's about living the Bible so people can see Christ in you. But you have to take time. Here, let's, let's go to this other, other, other verse. Uh, real quick here. Let's go back to chapter 2. I just thought about this. Verse 23. Ecclesiastes 2.23. Or verse 22 first. What hath man of all his labor and the vexation of his heart wherein he laboreth? Vexation is anything that distracts you from the work of God, anything that takes your mind off him. Trouble, finances, troubled marriage, kids. Your spirit can get vexed overnight with a challenge. It's coming. And there are more bad days than good if you think about it. And but with all of that, we don't know the beginning to the end. Because here's number verse 23. For all his days are sorrows. You can be sorrowful about a situation and it hurts you. But don't let it distract you from the good things. We can have all this stuff on our hearts and on our minds and it affect us. And we can come in the house of God and hear the preacher preach. And, and all that goes, we leave all that behind and just rejoice and fill our spirit and enjoy the good. Enjoy what God has done. Enjoy people getting saved. Enjoy what the preacher has. Enjoy, and enjoy the things of God and take our minds off of that. That's a gift of God to be able to come in and eat at this table. There are many people that have died and slipped into eternity. That their whole life would be these people in Florida, my heart goes out for them. But a month ago, they never, they weren't expecting this. Then people in Fort Myers have lost everything. And they and, and you, you you feel for them. That could happen to us. We could everything, but what does it matter? If we once we die, it's gone anyway. Enjoy some good. Now they them there's some people that are. Thanking God they're still alive to some people that are cursing God for sending it. First, uh, 23. For all his days of sorrow and his travail. Travail is painful effort. Grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest at night. This is vanity. That's empty. If you don't take rest at night, hey, if we die tomorrow, it's over. Don't matter. And here's the best thing. There's nothing better. This doubles back to that verse I just read. Nothing better. For man. Now this is under the sun, apart from redemption. This is this is we know we got God in our life, we know we're saved. There's nothing better than he should eat and drink and they should make his soul enjoy good. Sometimes you have to look to set stuff aside and make yourself, make yourself enjoy the things of God. See, that one verse right there changes everything. 
all your days of sorrow, but you have to set yourself apart and make time for yourself. Make time to refresh yourself. Make time. Oh, I mean, it's, it, you can sink in depression instantly. Satan is attacking us, folks. He's attacking us. So we have to make ourselves. I mean, you don't have to make me come to church. This is, this is the highlight of my life. If I can walk and I'm not sick, I'm coming. I don't have to. There's some people you have to make them come. Oh, Sunday morning. Oh, you know. But you have to make yourself enjoy the good, and that he should in, should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. It's a no-brainer. Nobody goes through this life without trouble. Nobody goes through this life without losing a loved one. Nobody goes through this life. Uh, just just tiptoeing through the tulips, like he says. It's just not that way. And it compounds itself when you get saved. People think you get saved and every, all your problems go away. That's when the attack comes. And the deeper you get into this word, you become a threat to the devil. You become a threat because you've got hope. You've got life. And you can share that. And when, and when a person starts to understand and live and the fruit that starts to develop, the destroyer will come and, and throw things at you that, that an unseasoned Christian would take them out of church. It would. I've seen small things. People get mad and small things make them leave. Little things. Okay, we're going to go right back here. Let's flip over here now. Psalms chapter 39 real quick. The reason why I'm going through Psalms so much like Ecclesiastes is because a lot of Solomon's sayings came from his father. His father trained him in the way that he should go. Psalms chapter 39. I'm going to stay in Psalms for a couple of uh, verses here. Here we go. I got my pages are not stuck; they're torn. Verse Psalms thirty-nine. We're going to read one for two six here. I said, "I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue." Okay, we're going to get back to that as we get closer to the angel guardians, deeper into. I probably won't get to it this week. But I sin not with my tongue. That's important. I will keep my mouth with a, like a bridle while the wicked is before me. Now I say a lot of things with my tongue at home when things make me mad that I wouldn't say here, that I wouldn't do here. I'm not talking about vulgar profanity. I'm saying there's some things that, that while I'm in front of people and while I'm at people, when I'm out in public, when I'm, I keep my tongue, I bridle it, I don't, because you never know who, everybody's watching everybody and the cameras are everywhere and it, and and this is this is good sound instruction you can hang yourself you can say one word brother i can spend 40 years building a testimony for me and you can be off somewhere and see me acting like a fool and destroy it and your thought of me will change forever because of what came out of my mouth somewhere else you can hear me scolding somebody. To, so there's a, there are there are there's wise counsel in in, in, a, in people that 
that you can share your heart with, but there's a difference in sharing your heart for prayer and gossip that, or, and, and being profane and being unchristian-like. Some people that are unseasoned can see certain things of our life and find fault. If you want to find fault with me, just follow me for a little bit. Plenty of fault. But if you really and truly and really and truly looking to find fault with anything, get up in the morning and just look at yourself in the mirror. That will keep you busy all day long if you're truthful about it. Every one of us. That's where the, and that's where the bottom line is. The fault, we have enough fault to keep us busy to not worry about anybody else's fault. Psalms 39 verse 1 again. I said that I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. Now I'm not going to jump to James and talk about the bridling of the mouth and you bridle your mouth, you bridle your whole body. And it, it, it governs your whole thing like a horse is bitten in his mouth. You, can, you, you bridle your tongue, everything is, works out. We can destroy the work of God with our tongue. I was dumb in silence and I held my peace even from good and my sorrow was stirred. You may be angry, you may be, but don't let it slip. Save it. Hold it back. Because there's a time and a season to speak. My heart was hot within me while I was musing. That means mulling over what it was just said. What had just happened? Did he really say that? I'm going to take care of that right now. No, hold your peace. Let it simmer. You may be steaming inside, but there's a time to let that out. Just hold back. Just dwell on it. Musing is... Think about what you're getting ready to do and say. Think before you talk. Don't hang yourself. Don't be hung by your tongue because it will ruin you. Don't lash out in anger. Hold your peace. There'll be a time. Even from good, when my, in verse 3, my heart was hot with me within me while I was musing. My fire burned. And then I spake with my tongue. I thought about it. Musing is thinking about it. Think what I say. We can speak and tell somebody, hey, that won't write without lashing at them and, 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 and ruining our testimony. There's a peaceful, call a brother to the side. Say, no, that won't write. Let's, let's, let's don't do it that way. You know, you won't have to be in public and just, just lash out and just create a scene. Everything should be done orderly. Lord, here's the verse four, and this is what, I'm, this is what it all boils down to. Verse four of chapter 39. Lord, make me to know my end. That doesn't mean tell me how I'm going to die. It's, Lord, help me to keep understanding that I've got one breath, one life, one season of time. Just help me to understand that, that all of this stuff right here don't mean anything because I'm going to die and stand before a godly judge that's going to judge me. Help me to understand that I'm just dust, that I'm just... Just, just a brief time. You've put me here. I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know what I'm. I might not. We never win anybody to the soul. But help me to understand that I'm just dust, a breath of breath of, uh, like grass in the field. It's gonna. The wind blows over it. And it's gone. And when a tree falls in the forest deep, it's where it's gonna stay, and never be thought of again. When we die, we've got one breath. So that's Lord. Help me to understand that I've got an end. And this don't matter. 
Verse 4. Help me make me know my end that my measure of and, and the measure of my days. What is it that I may know how frail I am? Lord, help me to understand that, that just like a gnat, just like a fly, just like a lion, just like a dog, just like you and you and you. We're not immortal. We're going to die. If God don't, we are going to die. So apart from redemption, enjoy everything that you can possibly enjoy in your life while you're here. You got one breath. Behold, verse 5, thou hast made my days as a hand breath. Hey, think about how fast the last 10 years have gone. Me and Brother Larry were just talking about it. 10 years. Just think about that. It seemed like yesterday. 20 years. 30 years. Playing in the backyard football. That was just yesterday. And a breath, just sitting there going over to my daddy's house. I mean, that's, I, can't, I still can't believe he's gone. But that's going to be me. Help me to know how frail I am and how, how apart from redemption is, is all, everything else is nothing. Just, all right, let's see. No, behold, verse 5, Behold, thou hast made my days as a hand breath, and my age is nothing before thee. Verily, every man his best state is altogether vanity. That means the best that we can do is all empty. Outside of redemption now, under the sun, while we're living, the best state that we have possibly accumulate or have or be or own or, or everything at our very best is nothing. Gone. Just like that. So it's, it's so to understand that is, is God says, hey, you have to enjoy yourself. You've got one life. Don't be all knotted up from sun up to sundown 365 days a year running out of them. We're running out of time, folks. Invite somebody to church. Invite somebody. Oh, just, just call somebody that's sick and say, I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. Just and you know how good you feel when you when you do something for somebody and they really and genuinely appreciate it. That's a good feeling. Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. They heapeth up riches, not knowing who shall gather them. Now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Okay, we build up and 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 die and leave it and somebody else is going to worry about it. But besides all that, my hope is in him. Okay, I'm going to flip back real quick to the last chapter and then we'll bounce back in because this is the most important. I want to get this in because it's the conclusion of the entire matter and it ties into how I first started. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 10. The preacher sought, this is Solomon, to find out acceptable words. What's acceptable? Not unacceptable, acceptable words. And that that which was written was upright, the words of truth. The words 
of the wise are as gold. Yeah, let's see. I got that right here. That's important. I thought it was important. I had it right here. Goals are pricking the mind. Goals are prodding. Goals are, uh, are touching your conscience. A goat is, is saying something and doing something in the right way that forces you to really think. Hey, that's right. You know, that's what you're saying is right. I know it's right. Thank you. The, the pastor goads us every service with truth. I'll find that in a minute. I, won't, I don't want to have too much time waiting on it, but let's keep going. I wanted to show you that in a definition because it's, it's, it's pricking the conscience to make you understand that what he's saying is true. What Solomon's saying is true. The acceptable words. Don't spread gossip. Don't spread something that you don't see or, or hear yourself with your own eyes. Somebody tells you something, find out where it came from. Verse 11, the words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the master of assemblies. There is a master of assemblies which are given by one shepherd. One shepherd. The pastor is the shepherd of this church. The master of assemblies gives him what, how to fasten it, how to goaden it, how to, how to, how to govern it, what's right and what's wrong. He, he's got so much on him trying to just hold a ministry together. It, it one shepherd, not 20. Because I'm not accountable for what goes wrong or goes right in this church unless it comes out of my mouth. But what comes from this pulpit and what goes on in this ministry, it falls on him. He's got to stand before God and be judged, not me. I've got to be judged for how I conduct myself, but not how I go, not how. So if he doesn't do what God has ordained and said, this is what I want you to preach. This is what I want. He doesn't just flip through these pages and come up with a lesson. He's on his knees praying, give me something that you think the church needs, oh God. And the Lord puts something on his heart and he delivers it. That's, I'm, so I'm just glad I'm not called. My church would look something like the Sunday school class. I tell every one of them, do you want to go in that door with a knot on your head or out that door with a knot on your head? I mean, I don't have the patience. I really don't. Okay. The further by these, my sons, be admonished. I do have that. Admonished. That's a word that I really had really mixed up. I thought it meant something good. Admonished is warn and reprimand someone firmly. Oh, here's goads. Goads is sharp urging, provoke, annoy, and prick the conscience. That's what a goad is. You prick the conscience, you annoy somebody to where, okay, you got it. I'm right. I'll, okay, I'll do that. Oh, okay. You go to you, you. Look, if you don't do that, you're going to, this is going to happen. Okay, I got you. I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. Admonished is a warn and reprimand someone firmly. I didn't, I didn't know that before I looked it up. I thought admonishing was, was praise or praise word. I really did. Until last night, actually, because I wrote it down in red. That's the bottom line of it. When I got to that verse, I said, oh, what? 
that doesn't fit into to praise. Let me, let me get further into that. Okay, verse 12 again. And further, by these sons, by the right words, by the right things to say, by, the, by following the shepherd, and the shepherd by delivering. My son, be admonished. Be warned. Be reprimanded. But you you got to live right. Making many books as there is no end. And as much study, there is weariness in the flesh. Here's where I'm going to jump from this verse back to in the middle of the lesson. Let us hear, verse 13, the conclusion of the whole matter. The whole matter is the time to be born and the time to die. The season under the sun for your life, for everybody's life. That season that God has put in your life, the conclusion of the whole matter, your life under the sun, time to be born, time to be done. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring everything, every work, into judgment. And with every secret thing, it is good, every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Everything, what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we feel, what we do, what we build, what we tear down, what we, and all this is in, in, in the season of time. Everything under the sun, every single thing under the sun will be brought into judgment. So do we want to stand before a holy God and conclusion of the whole matter, the season of our son, under the sun, empty, destructive, out of unity, out of, I mean, what is life? It's but a vapor. It's here today. So some things just don't matter. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the little bit of time that we have here. Enjoy every day. Call a loved one and tell them you love them. If you, you know, I, I would give anything to just tell my dad and hug his neck one more time. Just one more time. Dad, I love you. It's over. His season is over. I must carry on. Okay. Now, let's go to uh, Psalms 37. Psalms 37. And it's just over a few pages. In verse 37. Psalms 37, 37, 37, 37. Mark the perfect man and behold the upright. The end of that man is peace. Okay. I'm going to skip a little bit and go over to James because some people say, well, nobody can be perfect. You say, Mark the perfect man. Who's perfect? Jesus Christ was perfect in every way. Let's jump over here to James chapter 2 real quick. And then we'll flip back. Because it all fits in. from the, the new Old Testament fits with the New Testament. James chapter 3 verse 2. For in many things we offend all. James is including himself in that. We offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. You see that? Doesn't mean that you're sinless. It means that you have grown enough in your life to where you know that certain behaviors and certain things we do and certain things we do, the way we, what comes out of our mouth 
if you can control what comes out of your mouth, David and, Ma and James here say, that's when you have perfected a Christian life, not sinless perfection, but you have now eaten meat. You're no longer drinking milk. See, that for many things we offend, we're going to offend people. You get up in the morning and you go out there, somebody is not going to like something about you. I don't care who you are. Sun up to sun down. We offend all. I mean, some people get offended because I got a Donald Trump bumper sticker on my truck. I've heard that. I offend people. You know, I, I do, and you, and you will too, but you offend all, all. But the bottom line is when somebody jumps out the car and says, I don't like that bumper sticker. If I can say, well, I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry that I offend you. Would you like me to take it off? If you do, I'm not, but I'm sorry you feel that way. Uh, you know, I haven't sinned with my tongue. If I was a nation, well, you're just a Democrat. You're just a this. You're just a that. And you just a... I'm not a perfect man. I fail. The Bible says here, in many things we offend all. And we offend even James himself. But if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and also able, able also to bridle the whole body. You don't get into it. You don't go here. You don't go, you, you just don't get into it, especially verbally, because that'll destroy your testimony. Always remain at peace and unity. I'm going to finish off. I'm not going to finish this lesson here. I'm going to tell you how bad I felt one time I did. I'm a, this is such a good lesson. I don't want to get into something else and not develop it. But I remember a few years back, my wife fell off a horse and, or jumped off a horse to cross a river, little creek. They were horseback riding. And the horse wouldn't cross her. She was pulling it. And then it lunged and it lunged on her and crushed her ankle. They had the med flight in. I was at work. I had to leave work and I had to go. Then by the time I got there, med flight had gone, they were taking her over to MCV. And he says, yeah, we had the med flight, and we're going to try to save her leg, and this and that, and I save her leg! And they wouldn't let me ride in the ambulance or the helicopter and all, because it had just took off. So I fly over there, man, and they've got her in emergency surgery. And they were working on that. My brother came up there, Gail came up there, and we were sitting together in the thing, and at that time, there was a half a dozen things going in the church. Somebody had just died. Somebody was sick in the hospital. And and so he, he had got the phone and he went off to the side. And he was on his phone talking and trying to minister to, to half a dozen people while he was trying to... See, me and my brother are extremely close. But we don't discuss church. We're brothers. He doesn't... When I go, he lives right next door to me. But when I go, we split wood and we talk and we talk football and we laugh and joke. He doesn't talk to me about... Oh, you can't believe what this one did. You can't, all these problems that he's got to deal with. We don't talk about that. We're really extremely close, but I don't get into the, I don't get into what's on his shoulders, but he gets into what mine, because I pour my heart out to him. But he was sitting there talking, and there was this man, the place was full of people in the emergency room. This man got up there and he started, hey, Jake, you see the sign that says, don't, no cell phones allowed in here, and all of was. And I told him, look at Gail, said, Gail, I've had just about enough. Now, they witnessed to this. I see, if he says one more thing, I'm going to lose my testimony. 
He started ranting and raving. I got to John, sir, sir, if I hear one more thing, this is everybody who's in there, and I was, one more thing about that man on the cell phone, we're going to tear this emergency room from one end to the other, and you ain't going to like what happened, because see, I don't care what happened. He went out and got the police. I thought I was going to get arrested because I th- did threaten him. I, I said a little bit more to it than that. I told him what I was going to do. I said, I, I said, I'm going to take that cell phone. I said it differently. And I'm going to put it up your behind. And I said it, I said it quite a bit differently. I don't want to put that in your mind, but I did that. And Gail's sitting there looking at me. So he got the police and the police came out there and they... He came, they all surrounded me and said, sir, this and that. We heard this and that. I said, let me tell you something. The man is standing right there. That, bro- that man is my brother and he's a preacher. He's got a man that just died. He's got two people in the hospital. He's got a lot of problems here that he's dealing with. And he had to be on his phone. And he said, well, one more word out of you, sir. We're going to escort you downtown. I said, okay. I went and sat down with Gail. Everything cleared out. Next thing you know, Tony had to leave. Gail had to leave. My wife was still in the emergency room. There was nobody left in there but me and that man. And he was sitting on the cross, sitting across, way across the room, just me and him in there. I wouldn't look at him. I was steaming. I was mad. I wanted to fight. See, I've lost a whole lot of fights in my life, but a whole lot of them, it wasn't good for somebody. I mean, I would bite, kick, scratch, poke guys. I mean, I was a nasty fighter. But I lost more, way more than I won. I got my butt kicked many times. But I wouldn't back down. And I was, I was waiting for him. I was just sitting there waiting for him, man, just waiting for him to say one thing. So he got up, comes over there, and I looked at him glaring. He said, can I sit down and talk to you for a minute? I said, yeah. He said, I didn't know. He said, I didn't know your brother was a preacher. He said, I'm sorry. And then I dropped. So I said, he said, can I sit down? I said, yeah, sit down. He said, I've been up for three days. My wife has had a heart attack and they don't know if she's going to make it. They won't let me in there with her. They're working on her. And I have been up for three days. And I may have lost it there. I go to church myself. I may have lost it there for a minute, but, but I'm about ready to lose my wife. And I just want you to know that I didn't know he was a preacher. And I'm sorry. Will you forgive me how I acted? I was like, what am I going to say? No, you did this and you did that and you did. I said, no, sit down, man. Go ahead and stay seated. I'm sorry. What church do you go to? How do you do? And we worked it out peacefully. I lost my testimony to this man, to a room full of people, because see, all these people that was in there had left. You can imagine the stories that they told, because it was really, I mean, it was hot. They don't know the ending. But that broke my heart. Why can't I do that? Why couldn't I go up to this man and say, hey man, he's a preacher, he's got a lot on him, man. Just calm down, he'll be off in a minute. Why did I have to let my flesh expose itself? We're all the same. And what I'm boiling down to, I'll, I'll finish this lesson next time because i got some really deep stuff I wanted. I didn't have time to finish developing it. But if I die tomorrow, next year, next month, 10 years from now, none of that mattered. Two generations from now, nobody will ever know a thing about that. But I 
have to stand before a holy God and be judged for everything in my body, whether it's good or whether it's evil. I have to stand before him and give an account for that. For how many people left that emergency room? Well, if he is, a, so he is the brother of a preacher and a preacher and all that, I can't believe that. Who, who did I turn off to, to Christianity? If it's one, I've got to give an account for that. Because I hung, I was hung by my tongue. And I'm going to have to finish with that. But I'm telling you, I've got, this lesson is really, 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 really extremely deep. We're studying Ecclesiastes and we'll finish up the next time. And uh, not we'll finish up next time, next three times. <laughs> but thank you for coming and I hope things, hope we can glean something out of it anyway. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.